Okay. Are you ready, Ali? Oh, I gotta call, I gotta call my I gotta call myself again. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Did you just see my book? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Look. I wanna like I wanna be clear. I wanna be clear. If you read any of these books that I have just laid out, just please, I would recommend this one the most. Welcome back to the VS Life podcast, where we talk about life beyond your degree. If you're new here, welcome. Feel free to comment, like, subscribe. We'd love to see you here again next week. Uh, this week, we touched on SEO Manning and the confidence to competence ratio. And then we dove into the topic of the week, which was three books that John and I recommend you read after college. Although I would recommend them before you graduate too. I think they're really helpful regardless. Mm-hmm. I get behind that. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get into it. Are you going to do the, okay, so. I'll do reviews. reviews. You do. Okay. Reviews, 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 reviews. Which one are you going to do? We're getting a new one. I don't know. There's so many good ones about me. Oh my God. Yeah. You really had everybody fly in. Well, that's a bat signal. Everyone came through. Okay. So this review comes from my little, um, Christine, and it says the podcast that your library needs. Listening to this podcast feels like you're casually with your friends. If we could see each other during this pandemic, RIP. Talking about what's going on in the world. Both hosts make you feel included in the conversation as if they're recording the show with you. Allie is sharp, witty, and in the know. She challenges viewers to question what they know and seek the truth. This podcast is a great resource for anyone looking for a real slice of life as discussed by two extremely likable people. Give it a lesson. Boom. I mean, it's a little one-sided, but it's okay. I'll get more. (laughs) Well, I mean, so is this podcast. All right. Boom. So. Before we get into our amazing topic for the day, which I'm super stoked about, and Ali's gonna make fun of me, but I'm gonna freaking geek out on this one. But yeah, um, we first off, we have outline notes that we use, and my <laughs> outline notes are three sentences, and John is like a full two pages. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. So so we can go to 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 start off. I was talking to my girlfriend again, and she honestly saves me all the time because she told me that I am not. Like I need to be a little more heavy handed in, in my message because it's not, people are not, it's not quite getting across to people. And one of the things that I realize people don't understand what it is, is this concept of steel manning. Um, and this is something that honestly everybody should use. And like, I, it's honestly probably one of the most invaluable resources I've used when having like a verbal argument or a verbal debate or whatever with anybody, because well, so what is steel manning, you might ask? It's steel manning is a debate tactic where if I have a stance, let's say on eating meat, I am all pro carnivore. I think vegans are lame and I want to defend my point. If I only look at why eating meat is so great and I don't ever address like the good points from um, uh, like a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, it's, I'm going to set myself up for failure because I don't know where my argument is weakest. I don't know where the detriments might be or what the biggest arguments of vegans or vegetarians are. And so when I, if I ever have a, a debate, they'd obviously know it because they know all the, strongest, all the strongest points of their argument and they're, gonna, they're probably going to tear me apart. Now, what is steel manning? So 
steel manning is like i were going to if i'm going to like debate something i'm going to go out before i have the actual debate i'm going to have it from the point of an actual vegan or vegetarian and i'm going to try and argue for vegan or vegetarianism against eating meat as hard as i can and i'm going to i'm going to construct the most like the strongest counter argument i possibly can and see if my argument holds holds water and see if it holds weight and if it doesn't i got two options i'm either wrong and i have to change my opinion change my stance or b i don't i have to rethink my argument and reformulate my position and why i say this is because on like so on social media platforms that's like the the like cesspool for like and so what the the counter to a steel man argument is a straw man argument and so i were a, a straw man is like if i'm arguing for meat or for you know eating a eating meat or whatever or eating red meat i choose the worst and the weakest argument for veganism and i easily just pick it apart so if me and Allie are, are arguing she's pro vegan i'm pro meat i would just like say like the weakest most like maybe reductionist and simplistic form of her argument so i can slay it down which doesn't do anybody good it doesn't actually it doesn't validly address her points and it doesn't help me make my points better and i feel like people think if you have like a certain position on something you can't like you can't defend the other side to see if your side holds weight or whatever you know does that make sense and so mm -hmm. and like, like i said like in social in social media what i've seen is like there's all these posts like constructing the worst argument to like crush against like if they like i don't i don't even want to say any of these pages because i think these pages should be deleted but like there are pages on like how do i say this without actually giving away the page trying to address a counter argument to whatever argument they're they're saying and it'll just be the worst possible argument like they can probably possibly construct of the other one and so they, they obviously have this like oh i hit it out of the park post or whatever and i totally destroyed this argument but it's like one you're not doing yourself or the person who might come against you any good you're not doing anybody who sees that post any good because they're going to see that and see all the stupid reasoning you made and they're probably going to try and take that into an argument and if you try to take some of that into an argument with me on something i'm actually passionate about I, let me what would i do if i care about what you think i'm probably going to destroy your argument if i don't care about what you think i'm not going to say anything because it's just why so i feel like more people it would it would be so good if more people know like what this is and like Nade couldn't understand <laughs> it was funny on the last episode when we we're or the last one we were talking about like tax cuts she was looking at me like um john like are you are you a cons conservative <laughs> i was like no it's i'm just steel manning the other argument and she's like what is steel manning and i'm like oh what? like I, I so i realized that's why i said i have to be a little more heavy-handed like on my on what i'm doing because people don't quite understand like just because i'm playing the part of something like against Ali or something that I, I can have different views. Like you can have different views and still take on another argument. It's, it's actually probably pretty in your best interest. I think it depends on your goal. So mm -hmm. if your goal is to have a genuine debate and like really just like have good back and forth, really argue for your side, then like mm -hmm. obviously you want to attack the most, like the strongest argument for the other side yeah. but if you're on and i'm gonna use fox news because i love using fox news but if you're on fox news oh. and you're talking to an audience of people who just want to hear what they want to hear then you don't want to steal man because oh no 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 that's no, not no. what the people well, want so yeah, no. it really i think 
you'll see people oh, yeah. use straw man <laughs> on purpose because that's what their people want yeah it just depends on what the audience is and what your goal is i guess oh yeah yeah like, i'm not gonna steal man on something i don't like if i'm trying to win an argument i'm not gonna steal man your argument that's your job <laughs> like i'm not gonna make the best argument for you like you should do that um and i'm gonna try and like win but when you're not in an actual argument where there's any stakes on the line or something like if me and Allie are just talking like it's it's helpful for both parties for some people to do that because you strengthen your argument and you or you see that your argument it might be garbage and you you figure that out before you go into an actual debate where the stakes might be higher and so um that was the first thing i wanted to say because i realized that i have i need to be a little more heavy-handed with that and what i've been doing because people might not understand that and then um on that same note um on debating i have this idea of like it might be so this topic gets brought up in one of my books which we can get to soon because i'm super stoked for but it wasn't quite framed like this and i haven't heard anybody frame it like this so i'm gonna take credit for it um if you said this before me then you could have credit but i'm gonna take credit for this uh your competence to confidence ratio so another thing i have seen is that people want to go to battle for arguments that they know nothing about just so they can i don't even know why why you would want to do that maybe i don't know why and to give like a, a little background i'm not going to get let my throw my boy under the bus um but how do i frame this without throwing one of the bus <laughs> was it so, matt no, it wasn't. Bad. Um, one of my, so one of my coworkers was uh, having issues with another one of my coworkers because one of my the other coworker who was our superior was not in favor of uh, uh, speed ladders, like ladder drills or whatever. When you oh, use okay. a speed ladder and blah 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 blah, our superior said they they suck, they don't work, we're not going to do them. And my uh other coworker who's like my equal i guess um he we weren't talking to my our superior we're just talking between us and like with, an, with another one of our coworkers, and he was saying how can you not think speed ladders are the greatest thing like they're obviously amazing and i can't if you don't think so you're dumb blah 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 blah, blah. and i'm thinking to myself like he's like getting worked up over these fucking these speed ladders in my mind i'm like oh i like him as a warm-up um i'm not gonna do them and start and, and replace something better blah 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 but honestly, I really don't care that much. As long as you're not wasting time with them, I don't care. I think they're, they can get a good warm-up tool or whatever. But I'm not going to go to battle over speed ladders. But he is, like, adamant. And, I'm, and when this coworker in particular, he's the greatest guy. And if he ever listens to this, he knows I'm going to be talking about him. He's really great and he means well. But it's like, I know that he has not really looked into the benefits and the detriments of speed ladders. So it's like, I know that if I wanted to, I could like challenge him. Like, why do you think speed ladders are great? And he probably divulged to like the common, like, oh, well, these other teams do it or just stuff that like is they have no reasoning. And so in my mind, I'm like, why would you want, why do you care about speed ladders so much? And so that that's kind of like the basis of like where this kind of comes from. Like, I'm not going to debate Ali on, I don't know, Personal Disneyland versus Disney World. Or Disneyland versus Disney World. I'm not. And creamy. Like, why? Why would I? Why would I? Like I. My confidence is low, 
my, my, my competence is low, so my confidence is low. Why would I ever go into a debate with it? Why would I ever do that? There's, but people, I've, I've kind of noticed that people want to like take up everything. They want to seem like they're informed about everything. And that's going to get you into trouble. <laughs> that's going to get you into trouble. Like if I don't, if I think I know everything about Disney World or Disneyland and then I meet Allie and I try and debate her on one's better, she's going to like, she's going to embarrass me. And just like if I tried to argue that cardio is the way to lose weight, John would kill me. Yeah. So, yes. So that's what another concept I wanted to take. Every, and another thing, too, is like, I don't when I say these things, it's not enough to just know that they're a thing, which is another thing like heavy handedness. When I say these things or when you hear these things, it's not enough to just know that they are a thing. The point of these things is to really uh, like look at your self-awareness and be like, oh, where's my confidence really high? My competence is actually really low. Like, where am I doing that? That's the point of when I, when me and Arlie bring these things up, like, it's not like, I mean, I do like to hear myself talk. I, I'm not going to lie. I do. But it's also like to help you and everybody listening to like, really be, what's the word? Introspective? Introspective and like, oh, I wonder if I am doing this. I wonder if I'm attributing to this or I wonder if my confidence is super low or super high and my competence is super low and so to begin that's kind of what I wanted to like be heavy-handed about and like my message across did I do that well was that was that a good did I kind of frame that right did you want to add anything to that um no Mm -hmm. I think it's different between like Again, like saying like, hmm, how am I trying to say this? I think it's okay to do that if you're like at dinner and you like want to have a conversation about yeah. something that you're like not like, if I want to talk about universal, I know nothing about universal, but like I still want to talk <laughs> about it. I yeah. still think it's garbage and like, that's okay at dinner. But like, I think yeah. if you're really trying to argue something, that's when you should like check yourself. Yeah. I think it's okay to like have these conversations like for funsies. No. Yeah. Like if we were to do that, like me not, like we're operating under good faith. Like I'm not expecting like. We're kind of like being playful about it. But if you're like, I'm saying in, in, the, in the instances where you're really truly trying to express your viewpoint and you're like to someone other who does, who genuinely doesn't agree with you hmm. because. What was, oh, and then one more thing, one more thing before we go on, because Ali said 10 minutes, we're already over 10 minutes. So she's getting mad at me. Yep. But one more thing is something that I've, I've, I've also realized I do, but like people quite don't. Like I, it's another one of those disconnects that I have because I'm, I'm Ali called me Ali called me Spock before we started recording everybody. That's, that you, is like that's amazing, how you act sometimes. That is an amazing compliment. Like I was <laughs> I was so happy when you called me Spock. But anyway, like one thing that I've kind of always tried to like do is like or emphasize is like these things like steel manning or like confidence to confidence competence to confidence ratio or like any of the sort of like that. These are important, not because, like, I think winning debates are important or are good. I mean, I do think they are important, but, like, not because I think they're important by themselves. But I'm, like, if we're going to be operating and, like, going through life with other people, obviously, Allie thinks her decisions are the best decisions she could possibly make. She thinks her ideas are right, and that's why she follows her ideas. Why would she follow her ideas if she thought they were baloney? Same with me. We all think that our decisions and our viewpoints and our ideas are the right ones. That's why we believe in them. 
But if you're going to walk through life, you're going to come against someone who doesn't think they're right, who disagrees with you. That's just, that's just what's going to happen. And if you don't know how to defend your viewpoints, your decisions, or your ideals in a good way, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're just, it's not going to be a good, it's not going to be a good situation. And if you really want to open people's minds to what, to your viewpoint, whether or not you're right or not, like let's say you are right. If you don't know how to express that to somebody, you're not doing yourself a favor and you're not doing them a favor because you might be right, but you can't, you can't fully explain it to them. And that's why I think these topics and like all of this are so important because what I think is right, I want to be able to defend and I want to be able to express and I want to be able to be confident. In. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a calming effect when I have like, I'm confident in something I know and I can defend it against almost anybody, not almost anybody, because there are some just smart people out there. I'm not going to say be that brass, but a lot of people. I can defend it against a lot of people. Things I know, I can defend them against a lot of people. Not to say I'll always win, but I can hold my own. And at least anybody I've seen on, or most people I've seen on social media, because if, if, if social media is how a lot of people operate in the real world, I hope we don't cross paths on something we disagree with because it's not going to be a good scene. So if you're listening and you have your own ideas and you have your own viewpoints, please, please, please really strengthen them, whether or not you agree or not, because we can, then we can have some good, good discourse. Mm. Hey, it's funny. We have such like different views of Spock. Like you're like, that's such a compliment. And like, I, I definitely was worried that you would be insulted. So like, to be fair, I've never seen those movies. So oh, well, it's a compliment. I'm telling you right now, it's a compliment. Okay. <laughs> Top three books we recommend reading after college. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, go. Well, Actually, you should go first because I want to go last. So you should go first. One, two, three. Okay. All right. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, I, oh so, 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 okay. So oh, I was going to, I was going to start with like a good like intro. Oh yeah. So, so Allie kind of made fun of me in like a slight and she said, I don't read self-helpy books and that's just not her job. I didn't mean that in like and a self- <laughs> make fun of you way. I just like, book? I don't read those books. But like self-help, when you say self-help, so I, I, I have two different like ideas of like self-help i have self-help and i have personal development i put those in the same category no but no 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 they're not the same so same category (laughs) when i was let me just like short intro before i go and like everybody thinks my books are self-help nonsense i was listening to a podcast and it was a fitness podcast and they had some dude who wrote like this uh he called it like personal improvement book and he was one of those like stereotypical like high energy guys who like oh yeah, I'm going to go kill it and blah, blah, blah. And like super energetic. And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. I was like in it at this time. Like, let's get into it. He was like talking about his book and he kind of did all like the, the usual stuff that these kind of books have. Like you got to wake up early. You got to tell yourself, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Cool, cool, cool. The one that like, I realized like, all right, all these books are not made equally was when he had in his book, like obviously he works super hard all throughout the day. doesn't take any breaks and blah, 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 blah. He goes to sleep at, and then, so what got me was like, he was asleep at like one or two or something. Cause he's working so hard. And then he only sleeps for like four hours and then wakes up and does it again the next day. And so one of the hosts were like, I don't remember the, the author's name. Cause I never bought his book, but he was like, wait, so what do you do? Like, do you never get tired or like what, what happens when you need a rest day, blah, blah, blah. Cause that's not a lot of sleep. And the guy was like, you know what I do? <clears throat> you know what I do? I lay in my bed and I tell myself, Whatever sleep I get tonight is the exact amount my body needs, and I'm going to wake up 
fueled, refreshed, ready, ready to take on the day. After I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, shut the hell up. Because <laughs> look, if I sleep four hours a day, a night, I'm going to be useless the next morning. I'm going to like be more than usual, like more than usual. Ask any, like if I get less than like five hours of sleep, I am useless the next day. Like just start, I'm just going to sleep and just start, start again the next day. And to say, to think that me saying, oh yeah, I, this is the exact amount of sleep I need and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to kill it tomorrow. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It goes around the, those things. Like I look in the mirror and I, and I tell myself in two weeks, I'm going to be a millionaire. And now you know what? I'm going to be a millionaire in those two. It's like, no, dude, that's not how it works. I'm all for being positive, but let's cut the nonsense. That's where, and that's where I think self-help books are. Is like that. I'm going to tell myself I'm going to be a millionaire in two weeks. It's like, you're pro- well, when, it come, when the two weeks come and you're not a millionaire, uh, I told you so. So that's where I think self-help books are. These books, I think, are actually useless. I mean, oh, wow, useful. So. Freudian slip. Yes, useful. The first one I want to talk about. Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Have you heard of it, Allie? I don't read any of these books. Like, I, I haven't even walked by this section at Barnes & Noble, like, to be honest. <laughs> okay, Ego is the Enemy. So, so all of these kind of build on the topic of confidence-to-confidence confidence ratio. That's kind of like my theme for the day. And so, so Ryan Holiday is really into like, stoic philosophy you know like stoicism is you know like so stoicism a lot of this i don't like a lot of the stoic philosophy kind of comes from i have and not like not have not so like you have a lot of stuff and material stuff and you kind of can take more from this philosophy but there's some stuff that i think is really useful and one of the things that like a lot i feel i mean this is me assuming but a lot of college graduates when they are graduating or when they graduate i know i have this it's like you think that you are like on like you're the best candidate for everything you i went through four years and i'm like i'm ready to do everything i can and i'm ready to like show the world that i'm amazing and i know i had this idea and you kind of think of yourself maybe a little like your ego's puffed up your ego's big and puffed up and you think that you are like your, your shit don't sink for lack of a better term and um so that's where i think this book comes in and it kind of like goes along, it kind of goes along and it shows you examples throughout history where a too big of an ego kind of like bites you in the ass and how people who really quell that and are really to keep that, really able to keep that under control have really flourished. And Ryan Hall in the, in the, in the book, he even says like, like, look, if you have a big ego, but you're still pretty good, like there's still a lot of people that can still succeed. Like me brings up Kanye West. <laughs> Because like he says, Kanye West has a huge ego, um, but he's still pretty successful for, you know, he's still pretty successful. Um, and so, yeah, people like that happen. But like for the vast majority, like it, it'd be, it would do good for people to quell their ego. And to, to kind of drive this point, there's a quote from the book. And is, the quote is, it is possible to learn that which one, it is impossible to learn that which one thinks one already knows. And that's Epictetus. Epictetus. Um, you can't learn if you think you already know. Uh, you will not find the answers if you're too conceited and self-assured to ask the questions. You cannot get better if you're convinced you are the best. And that's something that uh, not only I read it, I got from this book, but our high school coach, her dad is super into like uh, Eastern philosophy. And he follows this, this uh, samurai, Miyamoto, Miyamoto Musashi. 
And he loves to say before we ever have like practice or a meet is empty your cup. Empty your cup because if your cup is full, you can't, you're not going to be able to learn anything. If you already know everything, why are you even here? Empty your cup. And I feel like, like I said, I feel like this strikes college grads the hardest because you, you, you graduate and you think you are on, top, on cloud nine on the best. And then we, a lot of, a lot of my peers at least are kind of crestfallen when they realize like, oh, like it's hard to get a job. Like everybody can't see that I'm the shit. What? You know what I mean? And so like, it's, it's hard and it's a hard fall if you can't like adopt this when you graduate. And I had this fall. I thought my shit didn't stink. And so that's why I think this book is huge because this book was immense, immensely valuable to myself. Yeah. So I think this is interesting because like the idea that you would think that you're the best. <laughs> so I have like imposter syndrome and I'm like painfully yeah. self-aware. Mm. So like this, this is not connecting me at all. Like I, I don't have this issue. <laughs> like I, I know how bad I am at things. I know how good I am at things. And I'm like very introspective when it comes to like skill. Mm. So like I was looking through your books and I was like, oh, like, is that a problem people? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's a problem I had at least. It's a problem I had. So I, if I, I thought if I had it, other people might have had it. I might've had it. So that's kind of what I come from. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I just like thought it was super interesting. Like I was yeah. like listening, looking at your notes and like listening to you talk about it. And I was like, oh, like people are like really confident. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was just so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was my first book. Holly, what's your first book? Okay. So I don't, John already teed this up for me. I don't really do like, what did, what did you want Personal me to call it? Develop- Personal development yeah. books. Um, <laughs> that's just not what I like to read. I do therapy. That's my personal development. Um, when I read, I like to read for like either political knowledge or like for fun. So like I'd say 99% of the books I read are for fun. So the first book I recommend is one of the only books I've ever read that is like nonfiction Mm. and it's called the fifth risk. My dad recommended this book to me because he knows how interested I am in politics and the government and he, when he read it, he was shocked by how little we knew about like the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Energy, the Department of Commerce, and like the parts of our government that don't get like TV time and how much they do. And in the book, he talks about those three departments. He covers things like, so like, for example, the Department of Agriculture is in charge of wildfires they're in charge of all of the animals that americans eat and enrichment programs in rural america so that's like free lunch at school oh snap so like that's all their stuff uh the department of energy is in charge of weapons testing they're in charge of cleaning up where the atomic bombs went off they're in charge of fracking um and then the department of commerce is the biggest data collector in the world like that's shocking and like they're in charge of the census patent and trademarks um the national institute of standards and technology like these these departments do so much and like i think especially right now where people are starting to get so politically woke and like really hold politicians accountable i think it's really important to understand what aspects of the government are actually accomplishing 
the things that you care about. And this book was really interesting. Another really important thing that it covered was the Trump transition. So um, on the first day, generally of a presidency, um, his cabinet will go in and they'll be briefed by the like the people who are leaving. Mm-hmm. And so Obama's people had prepared like binders and like all this stuff. They were ready to give the brief and no one showed up um, because they hadn't appointed any of these positions. Um, and people think it's because he didn't think he was going to win, but um, they just were grossly unprepared. Mm-hmm. So for months, these programs went unfilled. There was nobody running these offices. They were empty. And I think that's something that nobody even talked about. So I think it was, it was really interesting. And I learned a lot about how our government actually works. So Wait, I would so when, recommend reading that. When a new president comes in, are they, um, like they have to appoint heads to all of these departments? Mm, I see. Generally, um, yeah. So like they, they come in with a cabinet and like they fill positions and like oh, there's a new team that comes in. Because like, okay. you know, what Obama wanted to accomplish is not what Trump wanted to accomplish. So sometimes mm-hmm. you need different people. Yeah. The fifth, I actually saw you, you and your dad post this and I was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. This sounds something like I'd actually be interested. Would you recommend it? It's also, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. Okay. It's also a really short read. I was like this thick. Like, Wait, really? Book. What? Little read. Um, easily could be read in like a week. Okay. Maybe I'll uh, and it's read. by Michael Lewis, who I am a Who's huge that? fan of. He's also the author of the next book I'm going to recommend. Oh, what's the next book? He's the same guy who wrote Moneyball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Okay, I'll get to that. Okay. I'm liking this. Yeah. I might read all your books. Wait, all three of your books are nonfiction? Uh, I have two books and one podcast because I read <laughs> such little uh, nonfiction. That's, I'm not kidding when I tell you I don't read these books. <laughs> you could have a fiction book. What am I supposed to... I think everyone should read To All the Boys I've Loved Before because of the amazing love story. And that's not like a good recommendation. I know like six people that would enjoy that. <laughs> Everyone else, is, you would hate it. Hey, I mean, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got to call myself before I talk about this next one. Oh, dear God. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get flustered and I'm going to get worked up. So, okay. This next one, I had two books where that were competing and fighting for this spot, in my mind at least. Um, think twice. Harnessing the Power of Counterintuition. This is prop by Michael Mabusen. Mabusen? Mabusen. This, and so it was between this one and Bad Science, but I feel like this one is more, a little more applicable universally. The Bad Science one is kind of applicable if you want to debunk detox teas, but like if you can't debunk a a detox tea, I don't, I don't know. Um, This one is more applicable. This is probably the second most like influential book I've ever read. Mm, yep, yeah. Right behind the number, like the, the next one I'm about to read, because this one like is so eye-opening and like the way we operate in the world and how our kind of like mental machinery isn't set up for what we like our world today. Like the amount of like the amount of the 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 speed at which society has like accelerated and our our processing units inside our brains can't quite keep up um is kind of it's kind of crazy um so anyway in the beginning of the book i just want to talk about the beginning give a short example and then um 
kind of leave it at that. Because I don't want to give away two of them. This book I totally drank in. In the beginning, it talks about um, how in 2008, two things happened. Stephen Greenspan uh, read a book called The Annals of Gullibility, Why We Get Duped and How to Avoid It. So basically how, why people are gullible, why they fall for, you know, con man or whatever, con man or whatever, stuff like that. In 2008, also, the greatest Ponzi scheme in history was exposed. The, um, what is his name? Bernie Madoff. Um, yes, Bernie Madoff. The author lost 30% of his retirement savings to this Ponzi scheme. And so like kind of the, the, the point that he, the author was trying to make was like, anybody can be duped. He literally wrote a book on how to not be gullible and how to not get one on you. But it's like the book came out before the Ponzi scheme. The before the oh, Ponzi I thought he scheme. wrote it about his experience. No, before the Ponzi oh. scheme. <laughs> well, he looks sad. Who's gonna buy this book? <laughs> yeah, probably nobody now. <laughs> but the point is, like anybody could be duped. Like, and this is another side, little short sidebar. I can't remember the author's name, and I should have looked it up before. But I was listening to another one where a, a an author on uh, cults. And like how cults get you was like on a podcast. And he's like, one of the biggest ways a cult can get you is if you think you can't be duped by a cult because you think you're just so great. And like, that's how, that's probably like their, their biggest, um, what is the word? Their biggest victim. People who think they're just immune because they know all the tricks. And it's like, no, if you're overconfident, that's how they like bring you in. And it's how, because they'll say stuff like, oh, you, if this was a cult, obviously, you know, come on now like we just want to go do drink this kool-aid or whatever so that's how they how they like get you so three things that he goes over in the beginning prepare yourself by learning about common mistakes common ways that we might take these mental shortcuts that aren't built for today so just prepare you by learning about the common mistakes Two, recognize the problems in context and like in your life like not just it's not good enough to just know what it is but to look in your own past or your own situation or life and see where these, uh, where you might have felt fallen victim to some of these assumptions or whatever it might be. Two, and then three, you mitigate the potential, the potential downside and you uh, build these mental tools or heuristics, what it kind of calls them, um, to kind of combat against them. And so I just want to bring up two studies that kind of uh, influences this. One, is a 1976 survey where a college board asked high school student test takers to rate themselves on a few different criteria. And so the first one is rate yourself if you're above or below the median or like the, the average of your peers on getting along with others. 85% said they were above the median. So it's like everybody can't be above the, the median. 85% <laughs> are better than the average. Is that how it works? Or not the average, the median. Two, your ability to lead. Your ability to lead, 70% said they're above the median. Everybody can't lead everybody. It's not how it works. Three, your ability in sports, 60% said they were better than the median in sports. And four, if you're a skillful driver, 80% said they were above the median skillful driver. It's like, you see how like everybody can't be great. As a little caveat, I think there's a discrepancy between like confidence like I, I, you should be able to think you can lead and, 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 and think you have the ability in sports, but there's also the competence, like I kind of brought up earlier. You should be able to uh, like dif differentiate between the two. Like you can strive to be the best. That's what I've never, I've never quite realized in like sports when people and like athletes say, I am the best. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm all for unless like, unless you're I'm, Barbara, in which case you are. Yeah, unless you're Barbara. But I'm all for like 
thinking I'm going to be the best because everybody, I feel like every athlete needs to have that mentality. I am going to be the best and I'm going to work as hard as I can so I can be the best that there is and there ever was. I'm all for that. I feel like all athletes need to have that mentality. But if you say you are the best when you aren't the best, well, then we got a little disconnect and something's not adding up. And so the second one was the one that kind of, um, I'm patting myself on the back, goes with the competence to confidence ratio. So another study asks students to rate their perceived ability and likely success on a grammar test, like how they were going to score in the test. So like you're going to score in the first quartile, which is I think 70% to 100%, 75% to 100%, the second one, which is 50 to 75, third one, so on and so forth. The biggest finding was the poorest performers thought they would score in the second highest quartile and they were more likely to dismiss the results as inconsequential. So one, they, they obviously drastically overestimated their abilities. They thought they were going to be better than what they were. And two, when they found out they actually weren't the best, they were like, oh, I kind of brushed off the results, which is like, again, I'm, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know I've done that. If you, I've done that in my past, times past. When you have a bad test in college, you think you're going to do great. You don't do great. You say the test was garbage. <laughs> that's kind of like, that, that's a common theme, I feel like, in college. Oh, the test was terrible because X, Y, and Z. That's why I did bad. It's like, maybe you just didn't get the material. But I digress. And so that one was huge for me. This one was really, really big. I re highly recommend it. He was over a ton of, ton of examples just like this. And I mean, I don't know if you don't know, but I love books that like have like historical references and like putting these kind of things in action. Um, so yeah, that was my second book. You should read The Richest Man in Babylon. You I have that. It. I just got it. Wait. Yeah, yeah. I just got it. So I heard that one's good. I shall read it. Um, okay. My turn. So again, the, all my books are going to follow a pattern. So the next one is also by Mike... Mike mm, try that again michael lewis okay. um he wrote this book called the big short which they turned into a movie have mm. you seen it you sent me a video like a trailer of it i think of like the guy who like made like the about game theory how like if everybody goes for no oh, no that's not, it. not oh. that oh, oh, oh that's a beautiful that. mind thanks oh, for playing okay. um <laughs> so the big short is about the 2008 financial crisis and it's basically a really phenomenal explanation of what went wrong and why the bubble burst mm -hmm. and me as an econ major as a person who has grown up with a mom who's an accountant and a dad who's a finance mba like this is stuff i've talked about with them all the time and watching this movie i was like oh click like i get it now like the the financial crisis is so difficult to understand and mm -hmm. like so many it's it's just a really complex issue Wait, so and just think, quick, quick blurb. What, what is it? Maybe, maybe someone doesn't know what you're talking about. Um, so in 2008, um, there's a, a housing bubble and basically, uh, God, I'm like not going to do a good job <laughs> explaining this. So um, there were people betting on mortgages is like the shortest way to say it. Mm. And uh, a bunch of the mortgages were garbage. <laughs> and when the people foreclosed, the people who are betting on them lost money, blah, 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 bubble bursts, uh, economy tanks, banks go out of business. Like it's like, it was just like, yeah. Okay. Um, and this book slash movie, watch the movie if you don't want to read it, but 
it just a really good job of explaining at a like a a non like finance econ major level Mm -hmm. what happened and i think it's really important to understand what went wrong and how people one were taken advantage of but two um tried to take advantage of the market Mm. and i think if you're able to understand it you can stop yourself from falling into these patterns i think outside of like the housing crisis so Mm. for me um it kind of plays into like what's happening in the market now where like i see that so many like last month 20 percent of people didn't make rent that's a lot of people Mm. so like um and like unemployment's record high and like i see all these like little flags and stuff that just kind of like like you know they get you thinking and i think for me this does a really good job of kind of setting you up to identify those things and like protect yourself from being taken advantage of and trying to take advantage of a market i guess yeah okay which is yeah that's a good the the movie is also super entertaining it's fucking hilarious um and like every great like there's a bunch of great people in it like selena gomez is in it and (laughs) the guy from gilmore girls is in it and uh what is his name michael scott what's his name steve carell steve carell's in it oh okay yeah it's just it's a I honestly would recommend reading the book and then watching the movie. Okay. But like, if you can't read the book, movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's a quite off the cuff one. Do you think there's ever a movie that's better than a book? Because you said book, then movie. Mm. But do you think there's ever a movie that's better than the book? I'm trying to think of like a movie that would have been better than the book. You want to hear my controversial one? Oh, God. Ready Player One. (laughs) Oh, suck my... (laughs) I knew you were going to be mad at that. (laughs) First off, the movie was garbage. I walked out of there steaming Jonathan. (laughs) No, they missed so many of the key references. They didn't do the last scene, right? Um, what they did like a whole museum thing? Bullshit. Well, well, I watched. Uh, I watched no, no, the. No, no, no. I watched the movie and then read the book, so I came at it and came into it differently. Hold on, no, no, no. So let's explain to people what really happened. Allie right, read the okay. book two years ago, and for a year <laughs> tried to get Jonathan to read the book. You're gonna like this. You're gonna enjoy it. Hey, watch this movie. You'll understand the references in the book. John was like, okay, I'll read it. And then two years later, he comes at me. And he says, oh my God, I just read the best book I've read all year. Do you know what it is? Ready Player One. And I literally wanted to throw something at you. Yeah. Mm. I, well, I liked, not that I like liked the movie and then the book wasn't good. I thought the book was amazing and the the movie was even like more amazing. Just because like being a nerd and like into like gaming type stuff and have all little references, I made that up. But like, I just liked the movie more just because I watched it twice within a week. If you know, I don't watch movies more than once unless it's Star Wars. I don't. <laughs> so, I thought it was great. That's I don't think I've sense. seen any movie that has been better than a book. I've seen movies that have been just as good as the book. Like, I think the first Harry Potter movie is like, basically the script is the book. Yeah. Like, it's like super on point. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know any that are better. But it's, <laughs> it's hard because like, how do you fit... 400 pages of character development into a two-hour movie like yeah. it's, it's, it's it would be so difficult to make it like a better than movie. a book yeah yeah <laughs> well maybe it's because like, i watched the movie first i don't know 
that's exactly what it is jonathan you would have hated it <laughs> but also you don't understand the references so like yeah, 80s but... pop culture is like a personality trait at this point so like yeah i think it wouldn't have bugged you I, as much. I got the songs i i have an 80s pop playlist on my phone what my girlfriend can tell you because she hates when i play it i don't get like the, i didn't really quite get the movie ones though so you're right on that front but okay are you ready ellie Oh, I gotta call, I gotta call my I gotta call myself again. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did you just see my book? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Look, I want to like I want to be clear. I want to be clear. If you read any of these books that I have just laid out, just please, I would recommend this one the most. This one is probably the single most influential book I've ever read, ever. Ever, 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 ever. Even though my brother kind of shit on it, which was unfortunate. But <laughs> this book totally changed the way I interact in, with people around me, with uh, anybody. How to Win Friends and Influence People by, tale, by Dale Carnegie. Huge, 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 huge book. Just because, like, and I always heard people say, oh, it's a great book. It's a great book. And I'm like, mm, whatever. Before I read it, at One least. of Padme's favorite books. One of Padme's favorite books. And I'm just like, whatever. So I pick it up because it, everybody says it's great. And it was just amazing. Just because you, you kind of like, it's, it's, it's so simple. It's like, it's almost kind of weird. Just because it's helped me so, so much. Like, I probably wouldn't, honestly, honestly. I probably wouldn't have gotten into my graduate school without reading this book just because the way I was before, like not caring about what other people think, which I kind of still don't, but only to an extent, not caring what other people think, just thinking that I don't need to please anybody and yada, 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 yada. And to an extent, I still don't think I have like an obligation to please anybody or like anything like that. But this book, so three Three huge takeaways, which you should still read the book, but still three huge takeaways. And it's almost like a book in like human psyche and like human psychology, which is kind of weird, but whatever. One, just be kind to people. Be kind to people. And that does not mean be nice to people. It does not mean be nice to people. Those are, that's a stark, stark difference. Being nice to people has like this kind of fake kind of like wishy-washy connotation to it like just niceties it doesn't mean be nice just be kind to people and show people like and and, and give people their due like empathy i think i think is the right word like realize that this is another person who has different views than you and who has who deserves like your initial kindness no matter what like everybody deserves this initial respect and kindness because why would i want to go into any conversation with anybody wanting to be confrontational or uh like disagreeing with someone on the cuff everybody i come into contact with i try and be at least initially be kind and just be that doesn't mean i, I agree with everything they say or whatever if i disagree I still, i'm still going to tell you i disagree and i'm still going to tell you if i think you're wrong etc cetera, etc cetera, but that doesn't mean i can belittle you that doesn't mean i can call you names that doesn't mean any of that be kind don't be nice be kind. Now, number two, be interested in other people. Another, another huge, another, another huge point I've got because it, it, when you're interested in other people, you ask amazing questions. If you just truly, 
truly interested in another person's background, another person's experiences, another person's viewpoint, you'll ask amazing questions. They'll just come. I promise you they'll just come because you'll think of the things, you'll ask questions of stuff you're actually interested in, you actually want to know. And people will pick up on that interest and they'll, they'll appreciate it because they'll, they'll feel like you actually value what they have to say. If you're just asking stuff that you really don't care about or whatever, I, just don't ask it. Just don't ask it. Just don't ask it. Just move on. And on that same note, if you can't find anything interesting about another person, that means you're boring. That means you are boring because everybody has some like, like Allie, when I was abroad, she probably has like some amazing stories in there. And if I'm, I can't, if I don't know, like the, if I can't be interested enough to find the great stories, that's on me. That's not on Allie. Be interested in other people because it's going to help you. It's going to help you ask really, really good questions that people are going to appreciate because everybody loves talking about themselves. They don't really care about what I have to say. They, they want to talk about what they want to talk about and they want to say what they want to say. So if you ask good questions that are interested in what they have to say, they're going to like that. Lastly, number three, be quick to praise and slow to criticize. Quick to praise, slow to praise. Praise does not come at a cost. If someone is doing something good and you know it's good, they know it's good, what is the cost of saying, hey, thanks, that was great? There's no cost. There is no cost. Now, if you criticize someone, maybe harshly or whatever, it might work. They might get them going, but there's going to be maybe a little resentment there. There's going to be a little like, mm, don't know if I like you. Don't know if I want to mess with you. I think there's an, there's an extent to which this applies. Like if someone's like doing something reckless, maybe you got to criticize them first. But overall, be quick to praise and slow to criticize. And honestly, he gives a great example of, of Abraham Lincoln when I can't remember which. Um, oh, I don't actually know. I don't want to give that away. It's a, good, it's, a good, it's a good story. Read it. You'll find that. It's a little teaser. But those things, like I said, again, best, most influential book I've read ever. Just because once you realize like, and, it's, and you could test this easily. Like you read these and you might think they're blown or whatever, but like the next time you meet someone that you don't know, try it. Try A, being kind, being interested and in asking some interest, some, something that you generally want to know and then just listen to what they have to say. And you'll see that people really like that. People really, really enjoy when you can ask good questions and you're, you're, you're kind to them and you are genuinely interested in what they have to say. Because if you don't, so if you don't believe me, just try it. And get back to me and tell me, if it, tell me if it worked. But yeah, like it, last one, best one, how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie. Hi. Okay, Allie, you wanted to go last. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to go last originally because I was just going to do a podcast, but then I remembered a book that I could do. So now, like, it doesn't matter as much. Okay. So this is directed at my fellow white people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I read this book called So You Want to Talk About Race. Mm-hmm. and it was super eye-opening so like there were so many things like the school to prison pipeline microaggressions um like colorism within the black community um the fact that like black on black crime is like not a an argument that ever should be made um like the definitions of racism and um the fact that like you shouldn't be asking your black friends to like tell you about racism That's because funny. like it's emotionally like taxing Mm. and there's like a lot of really great things they touched on that like you wouldn't understand if you were white um and it just kind of helps like color it in a little bit for you so that you can have 
um I don't know I don't think it's more empathy but like just like a better understanding of what black people go through mm-hmm. every day so I thought that was really interesting to me and I think it would be a really good read for white people black people obviously don't need to read it <laughs> they lived it what so what like kind of like takeaways do you, do you get from it because I've heard when people like mention these kind of books people my friends and I mean like I, like I said if you're not if, I've said this in a previous podcast but if you are watching even if you're looking you can't really tell because I'm pretty fair-skinned but I'm half black half Mexican and when my good, good friends know I'm half black they kind of I don't want to say put me in this category but I can tell when they sometimes when they read these books they kind of like act really differently towards me like that kind of almost almost like walk on eggshells like they don't want to offend me and I'm like hmm. I don't know if it's just me but like you speak I, I never want to feel like you can't say what's on your mind like I never want to feel like Allie can't express her viewpoints if it comes contrary to mine and I don't I never want to feel like anybody else can't be forthright with me because that's not my aim I want I, I like I said earlier, I, I'd encourage some good discourse but what are some like takeaways that it has you know I think something that I came away with is like just the ability to like check my own privilege. So I think I used to kind of fall more into the idea that like America is like a very like, you know, the idea of like the American dream, like mm-hmm. you come here, you go to school, blah, blah, blah. Like that, that there, everyone has a ladder. And what this book showed is that like, yes, there's a ladder for everyone, but like some people's ladders have rungs on every step and some people have a rung here and then skip three rungs and there's a rung up here and it's, while they still have that ability to climb the ladder, it's far more difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that I really took away from it. Um, there were a lot of things that I didn't consider white privilege that I do now. Mm-hmm. So like, um, like I, I gave this example on the podcast before. I think they, they, I used to think bad schools were in bad neighborhoods because like the neighborhood was bad. So the school was bad, but then uh, they talked about how districts were drawn around the poor neighborhoods so that all of the, basically the low-income houses would have their taxes fund that school and then the school would be disadvantaged. And like yeah. that, it was, it was the system built it that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't consider that before or like just kind of stuff like that. It just shows like a different perspective on a lot of things. I thought it was really helpful. Thanks for tuning in to the BS in Life podcast. Follow Patrick So Hacky for our dope intro music. Uh, follow him on Instagram at Pink Wolf. Uh, follow BS in Life pod at BS in Life pod. And if you leave a five-star review on the Apple podcast app, um, we might shout you out if it's good. So there's that. We uh, will. We will. We will. Because then well, people no. will leave them. If we blow up to like a million people, you can't shout out a million people. Well, we'll still read one. We'll still read one. <laughs> but it might not be yours. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Uh-huh.